Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. As you guys know tonight, and I just messed up the recording, so I just started the recording, praise the Lord. But as you guys know tonight, we're going to be talking about increasing in the power of God. We've been doing a lot of teachings, everyone, on deliverance, on miracles. And tonight, we're going to talk about how you can increase on the power of God. What you need to know about the power of God as we intro here is that whenever God calls you to do something, whether it's heal the sick, whether it's drive out demons, whether it's start a ministry, whether it's start a business, God will always give you the tools that you need to fulfill the call. The Bible says he called them to cast out demons heal the sick and preach the gospel but before he sent them out the bible says he gave them power to do these things so we've been given and i just feel the holy ghost all up in my office right now we've been given power to heal the sick to preach the gospel to drive out demons to raise the dead you have supernatural power that's in luke 9 we've been given power which the bible calls dunamis this is the power of the holy spirit that brings forth miracles in acts 1 8 it says when the spirit comes upon you you will receive power and so when the Holy Spirit comes on us guys we get the power of God and one of the ways the power of God functions is through the gifts of the Holy Spirit gifts of healing gifts of miracles the discerning of spirits these are power gifts that the power of God you know flows through Acts 19 the Bible says Paul was doing unusual miracles through his hands and so I'm telling you there's an anointing some people call the power of God the anointing I don't have a problem calling it that we know that the power fluctuates you know sometimes we feel the anointing stronger like right now I'm feeling it super strong other times we don't feel it as strong and so there is a fluctuation in the anointing in the power of God I taught everyone on Friday, the authority is constant, but the power fluctuates. And biblically, we can increase in the power of God. And so I believe as we talk about Jesus said by prayer and fasting, this type of demon comes out. So there was a a next level of power that came through prayer and fasting. And I believe tonight, TJ, we're going to, when we teach on and preach on the power of God, and I prophesy over you guys now, I just feel the Holy Ghost all up in my office, that the power of God is flowing right now through this broadcast. I speak the anointing. I speak the power of God through your television through your cell phones that right now from the top of your head to the soles of your feet the power of God is flowing we are in an hour right now where we need the power of God we need the anointing like never before it is the power that breaks the yoke of bondage and so I'm excited tonight that the power of God is flowing TJ I know you've been preaching on this but I believe right now man the power of God is just flowing even through this broadcast that's right and you know what you said it and nailed it on right on the head when jesus commissioned his disciples in mark chapter 16 he told them to go into all the world Mm. and preach the gospel in luke chapter 24 it says that when he told them you know that version of the great commission in luke 24 it says that you should go out and preach remission of sins in my name Mm. he then goes on to say but you are now to tarry in the city of jerusalem until 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 You are clothed with power from on high. That means he said, there's a great task ahead of you. There's the task and assignment of world evangelization. And I'm sending you to undertake this task. An angel's not going to come in and preach the gospel and get people healed. The angels are not been tasked with with the commission of getting people saved. That's why Romans 10 says, how can people get saved unless they hear? And how can they hear? 
or believe unless there be a preacher. Come on. We have the assignment. It's not the great option. It's not the great recommendation. It is the great commission to the church where if all God wanted to do was get you saved and get you to heaven, he would have gotten you saved and then taken your life and got brought you up to heaven. But Ezekiel 22, 30 stands true to this day. God is still looking for a man. God is still looking for a woman who's going to stand in the gap and be fed up, not tolerate the form of godliness that religion brings, but be pursuing and be, uh, like the Bible says, fervently, aggressively hungry for the gifts of the Holy Ghost, the power of God to manifest in and through them. So that when you're clothed with power from on high, Acts 1.8 says you will receive power from Mm. the Holy Ghost to be empowered, to be an effective witness. A witness. You know what that word witness is? Is the Greek word martyrs, which we get the word martyr from. That word witness is you're empowered by the Holy Ghost to be a witness even unto death. That nothing will slow you down. Nothing will slow your tracks. That no, though none goes with me. See, that's why a lot of people have a hard time serving God. They think that the commandments of God are burdensome. They don't have that inner fire. But when the fire of God comes on you, which Jesus said, John the Baptist did baptize with water unto repentance, but one is coming after, John said, who's not, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandal strap. That one's going to carry something called the Holy Ghost and fire, and he will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. And the timidity, the inferiority you felt towards the devil, that timidity, that shyness, that weakness, that frailty, that human inadequacy and insufficiency when the fire comes it burns it all out it purifies you so that you can be a vessel for honorable use purified sanctified prepared for every good work and i tell you at the onset of this broadcast that will be your story in the name of jesus christ god is not coming back to pick up a weak beaten down battered and bruised bride he's coming back for a glorious bride and you're not going to be left up god left out god's raising you up like esther was raised up for such a time as this and that hunger you've been feeling and that thirst you've been feeling is not your own mind it's not your uh, enthusiasm that's the holy ghost drawing you to them david said lord when you spoke to me seek my face my heart spoke back and replied thy face i will seek that drawing your feeling is not for nothing god will not get you hungry for nothing there's a table prepared and on that table is the baptism of the holy ghost and you're gonna feast on that tonight in the name of jesus christ tj i want to mention something you talked about paul warns us i was reading this today in second timothy 3 that there will be a certain type of person in the last days and paul's going to go on and say they'll be lovers himself they'll love their money they'll be boastful they'll be proud they'll scoff at god they're going to be unloving and unforgiving they're going to be puffed up they're going to choose pleasure over god and then after all of that so paul guys is describing a end time type of person and then paul ends that whole massive thing about how terrible 
horrible they're going to be. And then he describes them like this. They will act religious. Oh, I feel the go oh, Holy Ghost. They will act religious. This type of person will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Or one translation says they will reject the power that could make them like God. Stay away from those people. And every one of us listening to the broadcast tonight have a friend or a family that goes to church uh, goes to church on Sunday, but rejects the power of God in their everyday life. Some of you, you don't even talk to your family anymore because when you got saved out of drug addiction, all your family that went to church on Sunday think you're crazy because you now have encountered the power of God and they've only encountered the power of religion. See, the power of religion wants to keep you in bondage, living as a lover of self, living in denial and having a form of godliness. What's the form of godliness? Oh, I go to church on Sunday. Oh, I prophesy. Oh, I pray. Oh, I tithe. Oh, I give. But then th this is what he tells Timothy. You have, and you guys, I just want to warn you, you're going to hear more Bible verses in this live stream than you've ever heard in any live stream. I'm just going to let you know that we're going to be spitting verses nonstop. But in 2 Timothy, he warns him and says, Timothy, these people, they act religious. They act like they're believers. He says, but here's the one way you know that they're not of God is they deny the very power that could make them like God. Jesus said, I'm going to the Father and now I give you power so that you can be me on the earth. But you have to understand, even friends and family, I know some of you have written me saying they call this demonic. I talked about on Friday, TJ, that the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is when you say deliverance is of the devil. They started telling Jesus that deliverance was from the devil. And Jesus says, this is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And then what does Paul say to do about these people? He says, stay away from them. Why should we stay away from these people? Here's why. He says, because all they want to do is debate you. They want to argue with you. They want to scoff at you, but you have to understand. And Paul will go on, and I've never heard anybody preach this. Paul goes on to say this about these people, that they have counterfeit faith. He says they have a faith that resembles the real thing, but it's not. And the only way to tell, TJ, if something's counterfeit is by comparing it to the real thing. I used to work at Kmart. Okay, that's a confession I didn't want to make on live stream. But my first job ever was at Kmart. And I remember one day I got a $100 bill. I put it under the light. I put the marker on it and it cleared everything. At the end of the night, my manager came up and said, Isaiah, there's $100 negative in your tray. I said, there's no way. He said, yes, you accepted a $100 counterfeit bill. I said, well, it passed the marker test. It passed the you know UV light, the fake light. And that's a whole nother message test. And he says, no, but what you have to understand is the only way to tell if it's really counterfeit is you compare it to an actual $100 bill. So the way the bank does it is they put it next to a real one. And when you put it next to the genuine thing, you'll realize it's counterfeit. Let me tell you why pastors, leaders, friends, and family that are counterfeit don't like you because when they see you, they understand that you're the real thing and you're showing how ungenuine their faith is. You're showing how counterfeit their faith is. But I believe that God is releasing his power to break you out of counterfeit Christianity. I don't want to live my life as a counterfeit religious dead Christian. And Paul says this, and this is, this is how we have to build the structure tonight. Paul says that when you don't walk in the power of God, you're a counterfeit believer. Paul says, this is how you know is there's no power in your life. Everything is about arguing. Everything is about talking. I know there's a million great churches that have a nice place for your family, nice coffee shop, good donuts, good kids ministry, you know, all the stuff in the church, but they lack the power. That's why in 1 Corinthians 4.20, what does Paul said? One of my favorite verses of all time, the kingdom of God is not about talking, but it's about power. It's not about us getting up here and just talking. It's not about you going to a nice church 
and they give you three points in a poem and it's just talking, 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 it's about power. That's what the kingdom of God is. So we need to understand that God wants to give you power. God is raising up believers with power. Second Timothy, he said, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. God has given you a spirit that has power. God is not giving you this shy, timid. We know fear means to be timid. So that whole thing, man, where it's like we shrink back every time the devil pushes at us, that whole thing of us just, you know, sitting down and settling down when the culture tries to tell us you shouldn't be preaching that, you shouldn't be talking about that. I been preaching deliverance for three months and i'm telling you i have had hundreds of unbelievers are getting converted are getting saved are getting deliverance and are loving what god is saying and tj the only resistance i've gotten preaching on miracles and deliverance is from the counterfeit religious people that fill our churches on sunday morning but you have to understand that that spirit of timidity of shyness of fear i break it off of you now in jesus name because god has given you a spirit of power let me give you one last thing before we really jump in First Corinthians 2 2 Paul says that I didn't come with lofty speech or wisdom of men Paul being incredibly educated could have he said but I came weak and trembling and my speech and my message was not that of wisdom but Paul says my speech was that of the demonstration of the Spirit's power and then Paul tells us, here's why I preach with power. Here's why I believe in power. Here's why I demonstrate power so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of me, but it would rest in the power of God. Paul says your faith needs to be in the power of God. Oh, brother Isaiah, should we be talking about that power, that spiritual stuff, that supernatural stuff you guys are always talking about? Paul says your faith should not be in your pastor, should not be in a man, but it should be in the power of God. Let us look at the average American church. What is it all about? The personality. Come here, my pastor. What are the mega churches? The best looking, the best dressing, and the best talking pastors. That's what the mega churches are. It's not about power. It's not about miracles. It's not about deliverance. It's about personality. That is why, TJ, if you do a, a prayer meeting in the average church in America, you're going to have 10 people show up. If the famous pastor preaches, you're going to have 10,000 people show up because a church, our faith has been in the wisdom of men instead of in the power of God. But I'm telling you, I believe that the power of God is going to be the forefront of the church. I believe that even during COVID, we're realizing on how much we relied on people and not presence. And God is releasing power, an anointing, a fresh fire so that our faith, I really believe, is going to be on the power of God tonight. And I never understood why somebody would attend a church. Come on. And then when they're in need of a go, miracle, go there. when they're in need of a breakthrough, when they're in need of deliverance, when they're in need of their child's healing, whatever it is, they leave that church and they go to another church. Once they get the power of God, they go where God's moving. Once mm. they get the power of God, once they have that breakthrough, they go back into the muddy place from which they came out of. Why not stick where, where God's moving? I'm, I don't care. If John Wesley preached in that church in the year 1795, I don't care who, you know, our you know, my family, my father went there. My great-grandfather went there. My great-great-grandfather was actually the one who nailed in the founding pillar in this, in this church. It doesn't matter if God's not moving there now. If you have some backslidden, like Isaiah said, one who denies the power of God, you know, rejects the power of God. There are some churches 
in denominations that were born because of the Pentecostal outpouring of 1906. They were born in the fire. They lived in the smoke for a little while because they didn't kindle the coal. And now it's totally dead. It's full of icicles. And those there's a specific denomination where the church is now. There's some churches where I'm hearing reports where they have a sign as you enter into the sanctuary. There's no speaking in tongues here because they're ashamed of Come God's on. power. But I am cut from the same cloth that Paul's out of. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why would be ashamed of the power that broke me out of OCD eight years ago when man gave me up, when they said, just take a bunch of pills. Here's a, but you know, you'll have to wear a little elastic band around your wrist and pinch it when you have a bad thought. They had no answer to it with me impossible but not with god with god it doesn't matter what you're believing him for tonight there thou lord the bible says has made the heaven and the earth by his great power and outstretched arm. We don't serve an idol that has eyes that can't see. We don't serve an idol that has ears that can't hear. We serve the maker of the heavens and the earth. And David said, when you see a mountain in front of you, lift your eyes a little higher. Look to the one who made the heavens and the earth. He'll not leave you. He'll not forsake you. And he said, I'm not only going to not leave you and forsake you, but my presence going with you will be the the agency that breaks you free from every long-standing issue that the devil would throw at you. Because John 10.10, 10, the thief might have come to steal. The thief might have come to destroy. And if you don't put your foot down today, he'll go on to kill, to steal, kill, and destroy. Ultimately, just ruin you totally. Get you to curse God and die like he tried to do with Job. But if you'll keep steadfast in the faith, you'll get to taste and see that Jesus came to give you life and life more abundant. So I don't understand when they they leave church, they, they leave their dead church to go to a lively church to get the power of God. And then when that happens, they go back into their dead church and then they're back in the same situation where they found themselves out of. Had they just stayed in the lively church? It makes zero sense to me. And, and I'll go a step further. There are ministries and ministers that behind closed doors, they believe in the baptism in the Holy Say Ghost. That. They believe healing but they don't they shy away from preaching it lest they should offend lest they should rustle some feathers there's some pastors that speak in tongues behind closed doors but they'll never preach on the importance of tongues they'll never preach and they'll stay you know it's it, it, it's not really necessary to get to heaven so if someone has any curiosity they can come meet me in my office after we'll pray for the baptism in some sort of basement room we have just to keep clear we wouldn't want to offend anyone we wouldn't want anyone to come in and call us crazy. You know what Paul said? If I'm in my right mind, it's because of you. But if I look like I've lost my mind, it's because of God. Because when the Holy Ghost comes, what man calls an orderly service is not what God calls an orderly service. Man likes it nice neat and tidy that everyone lifts hands at the same time like like the you know some churches it's like a, a catholic liturgy just everyone gets up at the same time goes down at the same time there's no flow of the spirit and and they call that a, an orderly service but you recall acts chapter 2 when the holy ghost fell on that place 
there, if there was a noise monitor, a decibel monitor, the thing would have been off the off the hook because the Bible says there came a sound as of a Come rushing on. mighty wind. I don't want clean religion. If things get a little messy, but the Holy Ghost is in it, I don't care if tongues of fire come on me. I want the Holy Ghost. Like David, as a deer panteth for the water creek, I don't care what men look like, men look to me like. I don't care what people think about me. David danced himself off before his clothes began to fall off his body because he didn't care what his wife had to say. He didn't care what Israel, the rest of Israel had to say. He didn't care what his brothers had to say. He was hungry for a move of the Holy Ghost. And I know you're here watching today because you're the same. You're hungry and thirsty for the power of God to be at work in you. And I tell you, Jesus did not lie when he said, blessed are the hungry, blessed are the thirsty, for they shall be filled. Isaiah 44 3 one of my favorite scripture verses it says I will pour water on him that is thirsty and I'll pour floods on the dry ground the only prerequisite that you need to come in contact to have an encounter with God's power tonight is to be hungry and to be thirsty to be to be totally uh, indignant with the level you're at now I'm not satisfied with an ankle Say deep it. anointing I'm not satisfied with a knee deep anointing I'm not satisfied with a waist deep, waist deep anointing. I want to swim in the rivers that cannot be passed over. Jesus said, if you'll be thirsty and come to me, out of your bellies shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit. For Jesus had not yet been glorified. But after that happened, Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go, I can't send the helper. But if I do go, I'll send you the helper. So the works you've seen me do, the authority you've seen me carry, the dominion over Satan, sickness, disease that you've seen me exercise, that's not a model for you to wonder if you can ever have that. Say that it. should be the reality of every, to them that receive Christ, to them gave he power to become children of the most high. Jesus, the son of God, came to set a pattern for the rest of us, sons and daughters of the most high, to follow after. So that when the devil comes to knock on your door, you don't have to. There's some things you can pray about and there's other things you don't even need to pray about. You can take authority. Oh, the Bible says, behold, I give thee power over unclean spirits to cast them out. The Bible says in Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. Behold, I give you power over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil and nothing nothing shall by any means harm you. And I see you taking that level of authority today in Jesus name. What you said TJ is everything starts at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is lost sure. in the American church. There's so many people that write in that view the stream that say I have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and power and this is where everything changes in your life. Listen, if you're taking notes, we're going to give you five, we're going to tag team this and give you five ways that you can write down, you can pray on, you can study. We're going to roll with this that you can unlock the power of God in your life. It ends today living your life without 
the power of God is over today. I want you to tell yourself that no longer. I'm not going another day without the power of God flowing in my life. It does not matter. Now, some of you say, well, I'm not a preacher, an evangelist. Listen, the power of God is not just for an evangelist. The power of God is not just for a preacher. The power of God is not just for some pastor or some leader or some apostle. The power of God is for all that believe. It's the power for the stay-at-home mom. It's the power for the police officer that's working graveyard shift. It's the power for the nurse that's working the front lines dealing with COVID patients. It's the power for the construction worker that's up on a roof in 105 degree weather that's praying in the Holy Ghost and the power of God begins to move. I don't care if you work at Walmart. I don't care if you work at Starbucks. I don't care if you don't work. I don't care if you're stay at home, if you're go home, if you work at In-N-Out, you work at Roundtable. The power of God is alive and is available for you tonight. And if you would lean in on this and say, I'm done living my life below the standard that Jesus Christ, Jesus paid too high of a price for you to live in some dead church. And as TJ said, you're there just because of tradition. Truth is, some of you are still at that dead church because you were raised there. Well, guess what? God wants to raise you up to a new level. And sometimes he can't do it if you want to stay in dead places. Well, brother, it's going to be uncomfortable if I leave. I've been here my whole life. The whole thing God is trying to do in your life is make you uncomfortable. There's nothing comfortable about walking and the power of the Holy Spirit, God right now is shaking your comfort zone and shaking your bo- your box. So we're going to give you five practical ways to unlocking and stepping into the next level of power of God. And way number one, if you're writing it down, listen, I'll post this later. So if you didn't write it down, don't worry. I'll post it all later. But number one of walking in the power of God is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit changes everything. One of the main things the baptism of the Holy Spirit does is it makes the Bible come alive. TJ, I remember when I got saved and for weeks, you can ask my family this, I could not read the Bible. I would shake. I would cry. I would literally open up the Bible, start shaking and close it. And they would say, what are you doing? I would say, you don't understand. This Bible is alive. See, for years, TJ, being raised in the church, I read the Bible, but it was religion. It was dead. It was dry. But then the moment I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Bible began to come alive. The Bible, I didn't just read the Bible, but the Bible read me. It became a sword it became living it became active it began to speak to me it began to nourish me the holy spirit and the baptism will make the bible come alive in your life it'll make the bible become exciting you need the baptism of the holy spirit john said that there's one i come and baptize in water he said but one coming who's greater that i'm not even worthy to unlatch the sandals of his sandals he said and he's going to baptize you in power and the holy ghost in the holy ghost and fire there is a baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire that releases the power of God in your life. You need the power of God. It's like trying to drive a car with no power steering. Some of you are tired and you're frustrated because you don't realize you've been trying to do the call without the power. Jesus told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you because the assignment, the strategy, the calling, and the plan that I have for your life will be impossible without the power of God. Let me give you a biblical statement that will change your life. Without the power of God, it is impossible to do the full call that God has called you to do. You will live your life on the treadmill of Christianity. You will live your life, come on, who am I preaching to? You will live your life tired, exhausted, living, in temptation to temptation 
living from bondage to bondage but God is saying I want to release power and there's many churches and believers that even tonight have no clue what we're talking about Acts 19 Paul came to Ephesus and Paul said to some of the the Bible says some of Jesus's disciples were there or some of the disciples of Jesus were there and Paul said did you receive now here comes Paul into Ephesus and Paul says did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed in other words when you got saved when you prayed your prayer and repented of your sins did you receive the holy spirit and they said we haven't even heard that there is a holy spirit and paul and paul if i could talk to you now i would say that is the generation we're living in we are living in a church generation where we say get saved get saved get saved but we never even know anything about the power or the baptism of the holy spirit we've never even heard about it i remember getting saved and what changed everything tj was when i stood as a self-proclaimed atheist at an altar and said i don't believe in you i don't think you're real and i need some of you to remember your encounter and I'll never forget TJ from the top of my head I feel it right now to the soles of my feet the Holy Spirit crawled down from the top to the bottom and begin to fill me with power now at the time my girlfriend who was not saved never been to church was next to me and I all of a sudden I get baptized in the Holy Spirit and power and I start speaking in tongues TJ didn't know anything about it I heard my parents one time as a kid speak in tongues I'm trying to cover my mouth because I don't want her to hear that what's coming out of my mouth. But the power begin to flow. This generator in my stomach, this generator in my spirit begin to create power that begin to speak out of me. I'm telling you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for everybody. Acts 2.39, the Bible says that this promise of the Holy Spirit is to you to your children and to all those that are far away that have been called by the Lord our God. So here's what he's saying in Acts. The the the, the anointing, the power, the, the Holy Spirit is for everybody. I've spoke over my children. I prayed over all my kids when they were born. Lord, baptize them in your power. If John the Baptist was baptized in the womb, I've prayed over all my kids. Lord, baptize them in power. How? What gives me a legal right to pray that over my kids? Because Acts 2.39, the promise is to your children. I want to stop right here and speak over your kids that they're somebody here listening that you have a prodigal kid that is straight away you have a prodigal kid that has left the holy spirit left the things of god and right now i speak acts 239 that this promise is to your kids that the holy spirit is going to be released right now through this broadcast i don't care if they're in the crack house i don't care if they're in the whorehouse i don't care if they're playing church in god's house the holy spirit is going to begin to break in i prophesy over you that you're going to get a call and your drug addicted kid, your drug addicted daughter is going to say, mom, at about 6.44 p.m. Pacific time, I don't know what you were doing, but all of a sudden, the baptism and the power of the Holy Ghost. Friend, I've heard testimonies of drug addicts getting knocked off their porch by the power of God as they were shooting up on their porch, getting knocked on the ground, shaking in the presence of God. I believe that, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. I believe that my encounter with God at that altar was because I had parents, I had cousins, I had sisters, I had aunts and uncles that were were praying for me and that baptism of power was prayers that were stored up in the heavenlies I believe right now that there's been some prayers that are stored up that God says I'm getting ready to release the baptism of the Holy Spirit if you have unsaved parents get ready for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be released if you're a pastor I know there's many pastors watching right now get ready that when you show up on Sunday morning get ready for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to break out when you show up on Wednesday night get ready for for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to break out. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't get drunk on wine, which is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Friend, I want to tell you tonight, 
that the Holy Spirit is not a one-time filling, but God wants to fill you every day. Well, how often should we get filled? Well, I used to drink every day. That's the question. How often did you drink? I used to drink every day, so now I don't get drunk on wine. I get drunk on the Holy Ghost. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a daily thing. God wants to release it. Every person, there's 800 of you watching. Every person is eligible right now. Every person, there's no link to click. There's no interview to do. There's no form you have to fill out. There's no line that you need to wait in. There's no money that you need to pay. I know some of you hear preachers say, oh, if you sow $25, you'll get a $25 anointing. That's all blasphemy. That's all demonic. Right now, you don't need to sow a seed. All you need to do is receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm about to turn it over in a second. Matthew 7, 11. I told you you're going to get too many verses tonight. Matthew 7, 11 says, if you evil parents know how to give good gifts, how much more does the Holy Spirit want to, the Father want to give the Holy Spirit to them that ask, how do I give the baptism of the Holy Spirit? All you have to do is ask for it. God says, if you ask me, if evil parents want to give their kids good gifts, he says, how much more does the Father who's not evil, who loves you more than you'll understand, who's not mad at you, but is madly obsessed and jealous for you, says, I tonight, right now, in this moment, want to pour out the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You may be in church for 20 years like the lady I talked about earlier, but tonight God says, I'm going to release it right now for those that are hungry. For those, Go for it, TJ. For those that are desperate, God is releasing the Holy Spirit baptism. Point number one, we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit if we're going to walk in the power of God. Yeah, and I think what you said is perfect because people think, and they've been programmed because there has been slightly false teaching in this, is that people think you have to, you have to tarry to receive this and wait and sweat and beat yourself up until and people used to wear I know back in old Pentecostal days they'd wear like their how long they tarried as a badge of honor oh brethren I waited 18 years Come 6 on. months to receive the holy ghost I didn't give up and you know bless God you didn't give up but you don't have to wait 18 years and 6 months because when Jesus said in Luke 24 tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're clothed he was talking about the advent, the coming of the Holy Ghost. Well, here's the good news for you tonight. Say when the Holy Ghost came in Acts chapter 2, the Bible doesn't say in Acts chapter 3, and he went back up into heaven. The same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead came in Acts chapter 2, and he came to stay. And like Isaiah said, the promise, this promise, it, this promise, this gift yes. of the Holy Ghost is for you. It is for your children. It is for your children's children. It is for as many as would call upon the name of the Lord. The only prerequisite that you have to have is, are you saved? If you're saved, then you are qualified. You are eligible to be next in line. Not to, not, you know, you ask, yes, but then you receive. Isn't that the wonderful thing about asking? We can ask, Father, send the, uh, fill me with your spirit tonight. But then you have to get in a, in a faith to receive. Because if all you do is ask in doubt, not expecting to be filled, then you ain't going to get filled. You'll be one of those who 12 years from now will still be asking and, and, and hoping 
hoping things will turn around. No, you have to ask. And the Bible says, when you call unto me, I will answer you. Have an expectation tonight that tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. I'm getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. Tonight's the night. I'm going to start speaking in other tongues. Tonight's the night. I'm changing levels in the power dimensions of God. Tonight's the night that the same way the Holy Ghost fell on them and they were filled and began to speak with other tongues. That's the, the, the same way is going to come on me tonight. Tonight's the night where I'm leaving just like Isaiah said, treadmill religion, and I'm going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. It's not going to be by my might. It's not going to be by my strength, but by His Spirit working in and through me. I'm rising to take the place that God has for me on the earth in Jesus' name. Let me just say say this. In uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 26, I believe it is, when Jesus said, now's the time where I'm going to be transferred into the hands of, of men, and they're going to bruise, they're going to beat me, they're going to kill me and crucify me, and on the third day I'm going to rise again. When he said that, Peter stood up immediately, and he said, look, even if all are made to stumble, I will never stumble. And Jesus looked at him straight in the eye, and he said, listen, before the rooster crows, you'll have denied me three times. Jesus, uh, Peter looked at him again and answered, Lord, even if I have to go die for you, I will not recant. I will keep my faith. I will not waver in my confession of who you are. Well, the, the idea was there. The intention in Peter was excellent. It was good. There are a lot of well-intentioned wow. hearts in the church. A lot of people want to serve God. They want to quit. Uh, their addiction. They want to break free. But like Samson, they've been tied by new ropes. But the only thing that broke the ropes off Samson's arms was the fire Mm. when it came. The Bible says his ropes were burnt as by fire. The only way you're going to excel. The Bible says you are to be strong in the Lord. That's not strong in your own self. It's not strong in your own esteem. It's not strong in your own positive thoughts and thinking. It's strong in the Lord. There has to come a day where the power you get clothed with God's strength where the things that used to hold you down you break free from them so that look at Peter Peter had a good intention Lord even if all are made to stumble I'm never going to stumble his heart was there but just having a good heart it's not going to make you get through life just having a good heart there's a lot of people that have a good heart. There's a lot of Christians that die before their time. They had a good heart. Mm. There's a lot of Christians that are suffering with pornography addiction and they have the heart, Lord, I want to stop. But the power, the anointing is the one that lifts up the heavy burden and it breaks every yoke. And the good news is, is in Zechariah 10.1, it doesn't say, you know, you have to wait for this latter rain of anointing. No, you are to ask ye for the rain in the time time of the latter rain and God will make bright clouds to burst forth rain on you. The Bible says in the last days saith God. The, everybody loves to focus on the devil's plans in the last days. Say well, it, did you hear it. what this new society is doing? This new organization's rising up. You know, oh man, look what the devil's using that person to do. If the devil can use 
a woman full of the devil to implement abortion laws throughout the United States, Margaret Sanker, uh, the founder of Planned Parenthood, if she, full of the devil, was able to change the shift of a nation, of a people, how much more shall we now, in Come the on. last days, as we are filled with power from on high, be able to change the course of nations? I know there's people watching me. God's not going to use it just to change your family. God's not just going to use it to change your house. God's not just going to use you to change your workplace. God's calling on you to be used by him to change the course of regions, states, provinces, and nations. And you, like Esther, you were born for time for such a time as this. When Peter said that, the next chapter, they come to him and they said, aren't you the one that was with them? Aren't you the one that... Mm. The one that was following, you look like a Nazarene. You look like one of them, a person from Galilee. And immediately, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. And a rooster crowed. Well, Acts chapter 2, he couldn't, he couldn't confess Christ in front of a little slave girl, the Bible says, in front of a campfire. But Acts chapter 2 comes around, and it's not just a couple of girls around. There's thousands of people in Jerusalem that when the sound occurred, the rushing mighty wind, they all came and gathered to, towards the upper room. And the Bible says it wasn't Thomas that got up. It wasn't, uh, you know, John the Apostle got up and said, Peter, why don't you sit this one out? You've, you've caused enough damage. It was Peter that stood up. And in the face of people that four, 50 days wow. ago had crucified Christ, nailed him to a tree and said, if there's anyone else like him, wow. we'll do the same to them. Bunch of blasphemers. Peter stands up. And says by the Holy Ghost, men and brethren, these men are not drunk as you suppose. Come on. This is that. There are some of you that are looking for that. Wow. This is that which was prophesied by Joel in the last days, says God. Stop, quit focusing and magnifying the devil's work in the last Come days. On. Well, would you see what, what the enemy's doing in the United States of America? Well, Seems like the rapture is really going to happen soon. Jesus must be coming back. The Bible says in the last days, difficult times will come. No, come on, in DJ. the last days, though difficult times will come for the world, God has a plan for his church. And I'm of his, I'm a member of that church. And the plan for his church is Isaiah 2, verse 1 through 4. Ooh. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord shall be exalted above the mountains of the earth. Meaning God has a plan that to, to let your light shine in these last days in such a way that men will begin to scratch their heads and say man we've heard of Christianity but I've Come never on. told heard it told the yep. way you've told it I've heard of the power of God but I've never seen it at work there's a generation that they've only heard stories of their great grandparents and what they went through but a fresh generation is rising up mm. Judges 2.10 the generation rose up after Joshua died who did not know the works that God had done for Israel but God raised up judges there's a bunch of judges. That word judges Ooh. is deliverers. God is raising up deliverers in this end time generation. Obadiah verse 21. And in the last days, there shall be deliverers that come out of Mount Zion. And the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. God is releasing you tonight like a, a, a hound dog. You've been... <laughs> You've been wanting, you've been crying out, Lord, I want to do more. I want to do more. Well, the power to do more is coming on you just like it did for Peter. Shied out from confessing Christ in front of a little girl, but then in front of thousands of men who could have had pitch 
forks wow. and fire in their hand. He stood up and boldly confessed Christ. And from that moment onward, the Bible says, and the disciples, the apostles, boldly spoke in the name of the Lord. And when the threats came, they gathered together again. And they didn't stop again, baptized once. They said, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that we now receive a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost so that we may continue to boldly and confidently speak the word just as you've called us to do. You remember, some of you are watching now, you started off well. You had that love wow, for God. Wow. You, I mean, you endured persecution. You endured suffering when your family abandoned you. But somewhere along the line, around the, uh, along the line, something happened. You got discouraged. You got disappointed. And so that fire, that initial first love anointing you had has weaned out. Well, Ephesians says, re, uh, Jesus said to the church of Ephesus, remember from where you have fallen and begin to do the works you did at first and the first love flame will come back on your altar in the name of Jesus. Yes, this is what we're going to do. If you have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit or you have been, well, I'm going to have TJ right now pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Someone said their phone is about to catch on fire. One guy said, I'm standing in front of my TV shouting right now. We are going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit right now. For those that have never spoken tongues, for those that have never been baptized, we are, guys, we are not here for information. We are here for demonstration. We've already given you about 30 plus verses, and we're still on our number one way to unlock the power of God. I believe tonight God is going to baptize those of you that have never been baptized everything is going to change tonight and I believe for those that have, have been baptized I'm believing it for myself God is going to re-baptize you we know that the baptism is not a one-time thing we know that Jesus blew the, uh, the Holy Spirit on the disciples and then in the upper room some of those disciples got filled for a second time and then there was going to be a continual filling throughout the book of Acts and tonight there is a fresh filling coming to you right now this is not for your neighbor this is not for your coworker. This is not, oh, I really wish my cousin was watching this. Tonight, God is speaking directly to you and saying, I want to fill you up fresh by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to have TJ pray and we're going to receive. I want you to be in a mode to receive. All you have to do is ask. It's been given. It's a promise. We don't have to wait, as TJ said, for 10 days in the upper room. It is available. We have full access backstage passes into all things that God has given us in heavenly places. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And I believe tonight, as TJ prays, we're going to receive the baptism. Some of you that have been praying for years, and here's what I want to say. Some of you say, well, I've already prayed for this a hundred times. I want you to pray tonight, receive tonight as if you've never prayed for it before. We are not going to build a case against God as to why we haven't received it in the past because today is a new day. Now is the day of salvation and his mercies are fresh every single day. And so I want you to go into this thinking, listen, I've never asked for this. I've never gotten prayer for this tonight. God wants to do it fresh. And for those of you that say, oh, I had a camp meeting back in 1997. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, guess what? It's 2020 and tonight God wants to fill you fresh refill you with the power of the holy spirit let's just go for it tj that's right and like he said it's something you have to receive now as we pray when peter went to cornelius's household he preached and the holy ghost fell on them as they heard the word of god preached these were people who just got saved. They mm. had just heard the gospel. So if you think you need to work yourself up, Come on, you know, TJ. there's some things I need to clean up in my life before I get this. You know, there's some relationships I have to cut off before I get into this. You know, the, 
Those are all good things. But you'll never even have the power to cut those relationships up until the Holy Ghost comes on you to empower you to do that. So you're not waiting to get right. It isn't come, you know, come as you are, stay as you are, leave as you are. It's come as you are. But then God's going to do something to you tonight where you won't leave as you are. And you'll leave this broadcast saying exactly what that old song says. I've got just what I want from the Lord. So wherever you are, I want you to lift your hands and and in sincerity of heart with expectation built off what the word of god from our mouths just preached to you i mean we just spent what an hour 45 minutes on. on point one there's the, the overload of the word the bible says as they heard the word something came in their heart to receive the power of the holy ghost and you want to know how important the holy ghost is when P philip went down to samaria and preached christ to them they received the word. They were saved. But when the disciples, the apostles at Jerusalem heard that the word of God had been preached and the Samaritans had received the word, they sent Peter and John, who when they wow. had come, they prayed that they might receive the, the Holy Spirit. And when they prayed, there was no tossing or turning or struggling. It, there's not a struggle. Anything you have to really struggle for, it's probably not from God. You just receive. Just lift up your hands now, and I'm going to pray. And as I do, just say, Father, I thank Thank you. Whatever I thank you that I received that river of life flowing out of me from today in Jesus name. Father, I pray those that are hungry, those that are thirsty, those that have tuned in tonight with expectation, Father, built up by your word, Lord, not willing to remain the same way they've been for all these years, but are expecting a change of level, that are hungry, that like your word says in 1 Corinthians, that they're earnestly coveting an increase in the measure of God at work in their life. I pray, Father, right now, let the spout of heaven be in their way and pour out your spirit afresh and anew, Father, that as they receive this gift of the Holy Ghost, Lord, that they would speak in tongues and that it wouldn't end there. That would just be the initiation that from this day forward, as they begin to walk in that power, that just like Peter, where he went, the shadow of Peter began to heal the sick. I pray, let a heightened dimension of your power be at work on your body today, that those that have mocked them, those that have criticized their dedication to God, would have to scratch their head and turn their question from where is their God, to show me where your God is. In the name of Jesus Christ, right where you're watching right now, be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. In Jesus' name, receive ye the Holy Ghost right now. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I want you guys to, if you received it for the first time tonight, I want you to message me on my Facebook page so that next week when we come back, we can share the testimonies and I could post testimonies of all those that received the Holy Spirit. Man, I, I, TJ, we talked about this earlier when we said we're going to give some points, we're going to give some insight and some things for them to write down. And we said we're going we're gonna to probably go long. It's probably going to take us a little while, but we're going to run through this here. Number one is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, unlocking the power. Number two, if you want to unlock the power of God in your life, there's no way around 
around this. This to me is the most important thing a believer has, and that is prayer. Number two is prayer. There has to be a life of prayer. There has to be a lifestyle of prayer. We are not preaching about prayer meetings. We're not talking about once a year. We're not talking about once a week or once a month going to a prayer meeting, but there has to be a lifestyle of prayer in your life. If you are prayerless, I'm telling you tonight, then you are powerless. Prayer is to your spirit. I want you to write this. Prayer is to your spirit what oxygen is to your physical body. You have to understand that prayer is the oxygen to your spirit, man. This has to be your life source. This has to be where you get to a place. This is how you know if you have a powerful prayer life. You can't survive without prayer. Guys, you have to understand, Isaiah Saldivar could not go a day without prayer. Well, brother, I'm busy. I'm this. Paul was the busiest man in history, and Paul said, I pray without ceasing. Jesus had only three years of ministry. If I was Jesus, I would have called the TV stations. I would have got the mass crusades. I would have spent every effort trying to gather people and get people to preach. Yet Jesus would spend hours all night long in prayer meeting. We're constantly seeing... Jesus escaping the crowd to pray. You are not, listen, this is the lie from the devil. We're going to dispel it tonight. You are not too busy to pray. The thing is, if you would begin to pray, you wouldn't spend so much time at your job, in your marriage, with your kids, chasing your tail, because God is saying, if you develop a prayer life, a thousand other issues will be solved. Matthew 6, 6, Jesus says that the way that we pray is in the secret place. He says, shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. You know, TJ, most people say, well, I could never find God. I don't know where God is. There is only one place. I've said this many times in the Bible where it tells God's geographical dwelling place on earth. There's one place that the Bible says God dwells on the earth in the actual or on earth. God dwells. And Jesus gives us insight in Matthew 6, 6 and says that's in the secret place. Friend, do you know that God actually lives on the earth in the secret place? And every one of us have access to shut the door. I don't believe it's just the physical door, but what I believe Jesus was saying was there is a door in your mind and when you pray you need to shut that door every time you begin to pray there's distractions every time you begin to pray you're thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow what you're going to eat and Jesus has shut the door of distractions Philippians 4 6 the Bible says don't be anxious about anything but instead pray about everything and let your requests be known to God how many know we live in a generation of anxiety if I asked in the chat who's dealing with there's 850 of you watching And I said, if you're dealing with anxiety, type one, I'm not asking you to do it, but I'm saying if I asked you, there would be hundreds of people dealing with anxiety, dealing with anxiety attacks. But this is what the Bible says we do to break anxiety. And that's to pray about everything. What should I pray about? Should I just pray about my marriage? Should I just pray about my family? Should I just pray about my kids? And here's what the Bible says, pray about everything. I've often heard people say, well, you don't need to pray about everything, brother. You could make decisions on your own. But the Bible says that if you want to break out of anxiety. If you're tired of being anxious, you need to pray about everything. You need to pray about where you're going. Pray about where you're working. Pray about the ministry you're involved in. Pray about the person that you marry. Pray about where your kids go to school. Pray about what sports your kids enroll in. We, When we decide to do something, if we're going to put my daughter in this or put my daughter in that, I need to pray about it. Say, Lord, is this your will? Oh, Isaiah, don't be so over-spiritual. Friend, you know there's nowhere in the Bible where it says don't be too spiritual, yet over and over and over the Bible says that we are too carnal. I believe that prayer is a key 
to unlocking the power of God in your life, we need to develop a life of prayer. James 5.16 says the prayer of a righteous person has power. When you're walking in the righteousness that Jesus afforded to you on the cross, there is power when you begin to pray. The Bible says in Matthew 26.41 that prayer keeps you from temptation. Jesus told the disciples to watch and pray so you won't enter into temptation. Friend, prayer, we're giving you guys like 100 sermons tonight. Prayer shuts the door on temptation temptation is always knocking it's always lurking it's always trying to get in and the Bible makes it clear that prayer is the way that we shut the door of temptation I've often taught TJ that one of the ways that you get your prayers answered are not through having a great relationship with Jesus, although that does help, but is by shameless persistence. The Bible talks about the parable of the woman bugging the judge, which represents a believer praying, the judge being God. And it says the reason why the judge answers her prayers is because she won't stop bugging him. Friend, you have to understand oftentimes our prayers get answered because we're shameless. That's why the man at midnight got his prayer answered because he would not stop bugging his friend somebody right now needs to realize that God answers prayers based on shameless persistence we need to begin to pray and pray until we don't just pray one time many of you in the chat are saying well God hasn't answered this prayer I've been praying for my son. I've been praying for my daughter. I've been praying for my marriage and nothing's happened. But then you need to stop and ask yourself, what does your prayer life look like? And what does your Netflix life look like? And what you're going to find is we oftentimes spend five minutes praying for a friend or family member once a week, but then we'll spend four to eight hours a day on social media and on television. And then we're mad at God on why our prayers are not prevailing. And the Bible says it's because you're not asking. It's because you're not knocking. Some of you are doorbell ditching God and wondering why he's not answering your prayers. Some of you are asking one time and wondering why he's not answering your prayers. And the Bible says you're praying amiss, but you need to be like the person that's bugging the judge. You need to be like the man at midnight that's pleading saying I need bread a friend has come that's hungry I'm telling you right now somebody needs to get shameless and persistent prayer is a key to unlocking spiritual power Jesus said the demon this type of demon this level of demon only comes by that of prayer and fasting another word Jesus was saying there's a level of power that you can only tap into by the place of prayer if you don't have a prayer life you will you will live powerless in the spiritual realm, this is key to unlocking and going to that next level of power in the spirit. That's right. And until you are fed up, where something gets in your Come heart, on. where it's enough is enough, you're never going to have that. Come on. That's why prayer has to be built. Your expectation in prayer, your desire to pray will be built based on your knowledge of the scriptures. Wow. Because if you don't see sickness as demonic, Come if on. you don't see your children not serving the Lord, it's not God's will for your family. If you don't understand what, like Ephesians says, do not, um, do not walk as unwise men or as fools, but walk circumspectively, understanding the days, redeeming the times, but understanding the days, being of an understanding heart. If you don't understand what the will of the Lord is, that's what it says. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be a fool, but understand what the will of the Lord is. If you don't understand what God's will is concerning so the situation good. that you're facing, you're never going to get desperate for prayer. That's why I wow. so 
you know, I love that story of the woman with the issue of blood because she, the Bible doesn't say that, you know, Jesus walked her way that day and uh, he had it in his schedule to meet with her and he, he ended up healing her. It was all haphazard and totally random. The Bible says that there was a woman who had suffered many years at the hands of many uh, physicians, but finally she got to a point where she was fed up and Come she on. heard about Jesus. She heard, that's why we're taking time to preach the word because as the word gets in you, it builds up expectation, not only for what God can do, not only for what God will do, but for what God will do for you. She heard about Jesus. She heard about how he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. She heard about how Jesus was no, uh, not a man to show partiality or favoritism. That The Bible says everyone that touched the hem of his garment were made well. To as many as reached forward and touched him were made perfectly whole. As many as came to him were healed that day. And great multitudes followed him and he healed them there. She heard that Jesus wasn't making up excuses like modern ministers do. That when people don't get healed well, sometimes God says Come yes. On. No. His will was always yes and amen. First Corinthians, it, all the promises of God are yes. Second Corinthians, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. That built something in her that when she came to where Jesus was. Now understand, a woman with an issue of blood, if she was caught in public by Jewish law, she was to be stoned on the spot because she was declared unclean. She was declared uh, unfit to, to live in society. So and she didn't she wasn't crying out unclean unclean so someone of her status was to be stoned shot on the spot but something came in her where she said if i perish i perish i refuse to live another day like this i'm not putting up with the devil's crap in my life another come day on. i'm not just the anointing god did not come so that we can endure life jesus came so we can enjoy life and Ooh. she pressed through the crowd and she touched the hem of his garment and when she did Jesus stopped in his tracks and looked back and said, who touched me? Somebody touched me with faith, for I perceive power flowed Come from on. me. A lot of people, they do like Isaiah said, they have these like little three minute cute kinder surprise prayers that they do all the time. There's no hunger. There's no desire. Elijah, when he prayed for rain to fall, the Bible notes that his head was between his knees. You want to talk about desperation. He prayed so much. He gave himself like a back problem. He kept praying and he asked the servant go out and check is there any rain no sir there's no rain well he prayed again some people they pray once and expect something wow. to happen and nothing happens and they get discouraged and just throw the baby out with the bathwater. i'm here to tell you like that widow isaiah said you are to pray until something happens there has to be a push in your spirit without a press there can be no prize G uh, paul said in philippians that i press towards the goal there has to be a pressing in your spirit and a, a, a wrestling. Jacob in Genesis, the Bible says he met with God and he wrestled with God. And God said, hey, daybreak is coming. Let me alone. I got stuff to do. I got many other things to do today. Jacob said, hey, hey, I'm not going to let you go. Man, I feel like just come running. on, come I'm on. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Are there any people here tonight that are not going to let go until they start to see the visible, tangible blessing of God flowing in their life. The blessing of God's not reserved for a few special individuals. If you've called on the name of the Lord, if your name is written in heaven, God's blessing is for
before you. But there has to be a wrestling in that prayer closet. And your Father who sees you in secret shall himself reward you openly. And you know, TJ, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited because so many people that just got filled with the Holy Spirit are now going to be again to pray in the Spirit. This is something that when many people ask, well, how do you pray for extended amounts of time? For me, TJ, and you can share on this, I pray, this is just me, 80 to 90% of my prayer life is praying in the Holy Spirit. 80 to 90% of my prayer time, Ephesians 6.18 says to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all types of prayers, with this in mind, to be alert and to always pray for God's people. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Jude 1.20 says, by building yourself up in your holy faith, by praying in the Spirit. Now, some of you, listen, are much more in shape. It looks like to me, TJ, you've been working out, but some of you are much more in shape than I am. But what you need to understand about praying in the Spirit is that praying in the Spirit is how your spirit man works out. The way that spirit man works out is by praying the Holy Spirit according to Jude 1.20. Romans 8 26 Paul says that the spirit helps us in our weakness when we don't know what to pray for the spirit intercedes himself through us with wordless groans so if you get to a place as TJ saying where you don't know what to pray there's a hunger there's a desperation and you say God there's a million things I could pray for in English right now I don't even know where to begin the Bible says that the praying in the spirit the spirit begins to pray out of you and how many know the most powerful thing about praying in the spirit is when the spirit prays out of you, the spirit does not pray with unbelief. The spirit does not pray with doubt. The spirit is not hindered in its prayers, but the spirit knows the perfect will of God because the Bible does say that the spirit searches out the spirit and knows the deep things of God. So your spirit reveals the deep mysteries of God as you pray in the Holy Spirit. God reveals, TJ, when I'm preparing to preach, when I'm preparing for Tuesday night, when I'm preparing for Friday night, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. As I'm reading the word, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost and oftentimes people say well how are you guys getting these revelations how are you flowing like this how are you preaching like this how do you guys preach this way it's the Holy Ghost that prays through us that unlocks the mysteries of God that unlocks the secrets of God the secrets of the spirit and begins to reveal them to people pastor I want to say this you will never lead a powerful effective church if you don't have a prayer life and you're not praying and calling out to God and praying in the spirit and saying, Lord, I need to pray. I can't survive without prayer. I can't afford to not pray. A thousand other issues are solved when you get in the place of prayer. I'm sorry, I cut you off, TJ, as you were talking. No, go go ahead, man. I, I love listening to you preach. But and you're absolutely you're absolutely right. If a pastor doesn't even have a prayer meeting in his church, on, prayer is like there. the engine of a church. I, and and I remember, I remember one of the first sermons I heard you preach, Isaiah. It, this is why I knew I'd like you because <laughs> you were preaching. I don't. It was a pretty sizable church, and you were preaching and, and just like nailing it in, and everyone was up and clapping and and lifting their hands and everything. And he says, and and then you ended up saying, um, pre- preaching has been made the idol of America, mm. and people have abandoned prayer. And he said, you know how I know that. Because if tonight was advertised as a prayer meeting, none of you yep, would be here. Yep. And the whole crowd just... Yeah, everybody and sat rem- down. Everyone just sat down like, ooh, yeah, he's right. <laughs> but it's absolutely true. I mean, you, do a, you announce a prayer meeting. You announce that like third day is coming to your church and like Come everybody on. just in groves. Let's, Packs it out. You know, when, 
in the 1960s and 70s, when you had the Voice of Healing revival and people were getting raised out of wheelchairs, people were like uh, getting healed of all kinds of cancers and multiple cirrhosis, everything you can name. They, they, if you went to a local bookstore, a Christian bookstore, it wouldn't be laced with all kinds of uh, Christian concerts and stuff. It was announcing revival meetings, the men of God coming to town, prayer meetings. Now you go to some Christian. I, I was in one not too, a couple, maybe a couple of years ago, and I remember looking at the wall. And it was just all concerts and concerts. And I'm not against concerts. I'm not against Christian concerts. Where I'm not against prayer meetings. Come on. But Philip did not go down to Samaria and take out a banjo or a guitar Ooh, and start on. singing hymns over the city of Samaria. He went and he preached Christ unto the people. And the people gravitated, not because of Philip's eloquence and speech, but because they saw the miracles which he did perform for many that were taken with palsy and were paralyzed and lame were healed. And then great joy came as a result of that revival. There but that came as a result of prayer. John Wesley used to say that I believe that God will do nothing on the earth until a man prays. Wow. Another quote from John Wesley. Wesley. He said, uh, man cannot without God and God will not without man. Wow. Man cannot without God and God will not without man. That's why in James chapter four, it says you have not because you haven't asked. Wow. You haven't asked. And when you do ask, you ask amiss. What does that mean? You either you ask, you, you you didn't ask properly. You either asked in unbelief, which James one says, if any man Come asks on. for anything and does not believe, but doubts in his heart, he's like the waves of the sea, tossed to and fro. Let not that man expect to receive anything from the Lord. The Bible literally says, don't expect anything if you pray that way. You have not because you ask not. Some people they don't ask in faith. Other people you're not asking based on the word of God. Isaiah forty three twenty six. Put me in remembrance of my word. State. Bring forth your strong reasons from my word so that you might be acquitted. The reason why Daniel had an encounter with that angel was because he had read the Come scroll on. of the prophet Jeremiah and he saw that the 70 years of captivity are over. Some of you are still in captivity because you haven't mm. read the manual that tells you the prison doors have been opened not 2,000 years from now, 2,000 years ago. He disarmed principalities Come and on. powers and he made a public show of them openly having triumphed at the cross over them so that when you read that you then bring that to god lord you said if i serve you you'll bless my bread and my water and take sickness out of my midst this sickness in this body is not legally allowed to Come stay on. here you already laid on christ every sickness that i feel in this body and satan can no longer lay on me what you already laid on christ Ooh. jesus when by his stripes we were healed therefore father i come to you in with your word the ammunition of prayer is the word of god yes. start to load up your gun some Ooh, people you can on. ask them what do you, i'm gonna, I'm gonna you fall into my chair they, they'll give you a list of symptoms of everything not working in their body they'll they've memorized every problem the devil's thrown their way since the early 70s but then you ask them well what scripture are you standing on for breakthrough oh well brethren i just know god will do it that's not faith that's not faith knowing that god will do it is not faith that's why when jesus 
Jesus came to that blind man and he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? The guy could have said, I'm blind. What do you think you, I want you to do for me? But Jesus did it specifically because he needed him to have a specific confession as to what demand he was placing on his word. He had to put a demand on, on the word. Prayer is putting a demand on the word. And James 5 says, and I'll, I'll pass it over to you after this. James 5 says that the prayer of a righteous man brings forth wonderful results. When you put a demand, when wow. you sow in prayer, Galatians 5, God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. Galatians 6, those who sow to the spirit and those who sow in prayer will reap a harvest of miraculous, extraordinary, supernatural results that nobody, you know what the definition of a miracle is? Can't explain it. That's Come what a miracle on. is. Something God does for you where you can't explain it. Where people start to get around you and say, how did this happen? How did this happen? And all you can say is when the Lord brought me back from captivity to Zion, I'm just like one who laughs. I'm just here to feed on what God puts in front of me. And you will taste and see of that goodness from today onward in Jesus' name as you bow your head and pray. Whew, bro, we need, to, we need to have another show. We need to launch our fourth type of show with just TJ and Isaiah Power Hour because this is, this is I'm getting rocked, man. I'm about to I fall do. to my chair as you're preaching. Okay, so number one we went through was baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number two was prayer. If you're taking notes, we're giving you five ways to unlocking or increasing the power of God in your life. Number three is by fasting. I was thinking about fasting today and I was thinking about in Matthew 6, 16 where Jesus says, when you fast, don't look all gloomy like the Pharisees so they'll be seen by others but do it in secret when you're fasting guys one of the keys to unlocking the power of God in fasting is to not walk around telling everybody how starving you are is to not walk around telling everybody how miserable you are I'm the type of person listen when I'm I, I hardly eat as it is I eat about once a day if that my biggest struggle in life is having to eat I cannot stand eating if you know me you know that I'm 130 pounds because I just do not like to eat but I'll tell you one thing there is power when you begin to fast and you don't begin to tell everybody you don't begin to walk around and say oh my mouth is so dry oh I can't wait till midnight oh I'm starving it's the same as praying in secret there is breakthrough when you fast and you fast in secret I'm gonna give you a couple ways I'm gonna turn up to TJ he has some great stuff on this but one of the reasons why we fast as well is to get guidance. One of the reasons why, and I'm giving you just personal experience here, one of the reasons why I fast at times is to get God's guidance on a situation. And Judges 2026, 20, they were seeking an answer, and the Bible says they all begin to fast and inquire of the Lord. One of the ways that we fast biblically is to seek guidance or an answer in a situation. If you're about to get into a relationship, if you're about to launch a new ministry, if you're about to get a new job, if you're about to do something and you're seeking the Lord's guidance, you do a fast. Now, there's many types of fast people preach on. I'm just going to tell you the way I preach it. TJ, you can share how you share it. I teach that fasting is no food, just water. That's how I teach, okay? I don't talk much about Daniel fast or this or that. I speak on fasting because when I read the Bible and I look at biblical fasting, I see not eating, just drinking water. Now, I'm not saying be legalistic. I'm not saying you can't have orange juice or apple juice or smoothie. I'm not getting into legalism here. I'm just saying biblical fasting, there's more power when you line yourself up the word of God and realize that fasting, which meaning is meaning to close your mouth, 
is to not eat. So that's one reason why. Another reason why I fast, and I believe biblically we fast, is to seek deliverance or protection. In 2 Chronicles 20, they did a corporate fast for deliverance from their enemies. When we're doing deliverance ministry and we schedule a deliverance, this is different than altar deliverance. I tell people it would be good to do a two to three day fast before you come in for deliverance because biblically deliverance is great when you're seeking, uh, uh, fasting is great when you're seeking deliverance or divine protection. Now, I've been doing some fasting because I've been preaching a lot on spiritual warfare. Now, I'm not into those preachers that's like, if you preach on spiritual warfare, you'll constantly be under attack. But I do know there's no such thing as going to war, punching the enemy, and the enemy not trying to attack back. So I'm aware that we're in a wrestling match, that we are at war against spiritual powers. And so oftentimes when I'm fasting, I'm targeting the fast, and I'm doing this for deliverance or doing it for protection. Another reason I believe is powerful to fast is for overcoming temptation. This is found in Matthew 4 when Jesus fasted, hello, 40 days in the wilderness and overcame the temptation of the enemy. So another reason why I believe fasting is so essential in the life of the believer, especially for the generation that we live in right now, is to overcome temptation. Fasting closes the door. Fasting gives you supernatural power over temptation. And if you're fasting, and not praying, you're just dieting. So one of the things I always teach on is that while we're fasting, we also should be supplementing the fast with prayer. When I fast, I'm going, okay, Lord, I'm locking in with you. Oftentimes, TJ, when I travel and preach, I won't eat all day long. Even the live streams, oftentimes, I'll just drink a juice or something small. And then at the end of the preaching, at the end of whatever it was, then I'll go ahead and eat something. I'll break the fast because I'm fasting with a purpose. I'm not just randomly fasting, although that's a great thing as well. But when I fast, I fast with purpose. So I say, Lord, I'm going to dedicate, I'm going to fast, I'm going to sacrifice for this reason, for this reason. And the same way we pray and we target, that's why the Bible says don't pray amiss, we target our prayers, I'm also targeting my fasting. I don't know if you want to share some about fasting as well, but number three is unlocking spiritual power is is fasting. Yeah, well, Jesus, first of all, did not say if you fast. He said when you fast. So fasting is not optional either. To live a life of overwhelming victory over the enemy, you have to be committed to a lifestyle of fasting and prayer. When Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the Mount of Transfiguration, and they weren't eating, you know, how long does it take to climb a mountain, stay there, have an encounter with God? That was a fast they were on. They didn't eat. And a great, they had a great manifestation of God's power and glory. When they got down from that mountain, they came in contact with their disciples disputing with some of the people because a man had brought their, his son to their disciples yep. asking them to cast the devil out of him, but they could not. The disciple wow. says we could not cast it out. Not that they would not. Understand this. Mark chapter 9 chronologically is after Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3 verse 14, he called his 12 disciples to be with him that he might send them out to preach and to cast out devils and heal the sick. And they went, Mark 6, 2 says that they were going everywhere and they were casting out devils and anointing with oil those that were sick and healing them. But Mark chapter 9 comes around and the Bible says that they come in contact with a case that was too much for them to handle Mm. and they were scratching their head wondering why could we not cast it out? Jesus gets on the scene and he says, you faith faithless, perverse generation. Bring the boy to me. When they did, immediately he cast out the devil. The boy was sitting in his right mind and his disciples came to him shamefaced after privately asking him, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus said, because I'm Jesus and you're not. Come on, TJ. 
Jesus said, because this kind cometh not out except through fasting and prayer. Mm. Judges 20. The children of Israel go to war against the Benjamin, the Benjaminites, or whatever I was, however else you would say it. The people of Benjamin. <laughs> Come on. And they go to war once. They inquire of the Lord, Lord, should we? Because Benjamin had lost their minds. They were offering sacrifice to idols. They had totally dis disengaged from God's purpose for their for their tribe and stuff. So Israel goes to war to subdue them to get them back into check. And the, the people of Benjamin were 26,000 soldiers, trained soldiers. Israel inquires of the Lord, Lord, should we go and fight? He said, yes, go ahead. They go defeated. They come back confused. Lord, you told us to go. Should we go? Yes. And send Judah first. They go defeated. Mm. Finally, the Bible says in Judges 20, then they fasted until daybreak that wow. day. And the following day, they inquired of the Lord. And the Lord said, go, and I will now give you possession of the land. Uh, 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 I'll now give you the victory over, over Benjamin. When prayer by itself doesn't seem to be pushing through, there wow. seems to be a block. Daniel, come on, come for on. 21 days, fasted. And when the angel came, he said, from the very first day, your prayer was heard. So don't think your prayer is not come being on. heard. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in heavenly, force, in heavenly places. And the Bible says there was a demon prince over the air of Persia that was restricting the answer to Daniel's prayer. But as he coupled in fasting with his prayer, it released angelic intervention so that Gabriel can deliver the message to Daniel. Some of you, you have a pipeline and there's a bunch of plumbing that needs to be take that needs to take place so that your prayer can flow freely from the 50,000 gallon tank of God's power into where Ooh. you need it to go. That's what fasting does. Some of you have tiny, tiny pipelines. And so even if God is all so powerful good. and all great and has 50,000 liters or gallons of water backing and all that water is available to you because you have a tiny, tiny quarter-inch pipeline. Though there's all that power, there's only a little bit of power coming through wow. your pipeline. Fasting so actually it enlarges. It enlarges your capacity. It spreads out. It increases the diameter of that pipeline so that the water can flow more freely through you. That's why the Bible says we have a treasure in this earthen vessel. Wow. We have a treasure. The Holy Ghost is in here. The power of God. You, you know, fasting doesn't give you more of the Holy Ghost. You already have the Holy Ghost. Fasting breaks down the flesh, so the barrier, good. so that the Holy Ghost can freely move through you and, and, and for, your, for your favor. So unless fasting takes place, if all you do is, is, um, is fast, it's dieting, Isaiah said. Fasting without prayer is like C4 without a detonator. Mm. You need to mix them up. And when it does, it produces explosive increase. I can tie it in. And I know the same's for you. You can tie in every major breakthrough yes. that this ministry has had can be tied to a significant fast that yeah. I've gone on. Every single breakthrough. Esther, when she was to approach the king, she went and ate no ate no food and drank no water for three days and ordered all of Israel to do the same. So that when she went before the king, the king, without an appointment, wasn't like today. Wow. You can get an appointment with someone without even scheduling. You can just walk in. And the worst thing that happens is they send you out. No, if you came in without an appointment in Esther's day, you were there was like a guard that stood by the king that would strike you dead. When she fasted and prayed, the Bible says that it gave her favor with the king. That's another thing fasting will do. It will put wow. a favor on you 
like it did for Daniel when the king of Babylon began to see that there's, man, these, there's Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're 10 times wiser than anyone else. Look at jo Joseph. God was with him and blessed him and he prospered and continued prospering until he was very prosperous. That favor comes on you when you fast and you pray. It, it, it's like when you hang around a, a, a restaurant. That, that cooks fried food and a lot of fried food. And you leave that place and people can smell fried food on you. When you hang around God in fasting and prayer, they'll start to... Wow. <laughs> the Bible says wow. when Isaac blessed Jacob, he said, you're going to carry the scent of a blessed field. Wow. That scent of a blessing, that blessing aroma comes on you when you fast and pray. So like when P uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, that you'll be an aroma of life to those that are seeking life. And then the devil, when he gets in your way, you'll be an aroma to the devil of death leading to his death. So good. I was thinking, TJ, about Matthew 9, 14, where uh, John's disciples come to Jesus and say, why don't your disciples fast? And Jesus says, how can the bridegroom mourn while I'm here? The time is coming where I will leave and they will begin to fast. So another thing I always teach people is for fasting, it restores the presence of God back in your life. It removes the distance. Jesus said, when I'm with you this close, you don't need to fast, but I'm going to leave and that fasting is going to restore that presence in your life. So fasting is a restoration, I believe, of the presence of God. And I want to challenge you guys Guys, as we move on here to do a fast do a one day me and TJ were talking earlier don't try to do a 40-day fast food only do a one day then do a two day do then do a three day and then go ahead and develop a a, a a fasting lifestyle some of people in the chat were saying what if I'm nursing what if I'm pregnant me and TJ teach the same thing we always tell people now my, my wife has been pregnant I have four kids so she's been pregnant for like 10 years but I always tell people if you're pregnant or nursing don't fast you need to use wisdom God is not calling you to get sick God is not calling to you to be unhealthy but it is very biblical to begin to fast but I will say this if you're if you're nursing or you're pregnant don't stress out about fasting don't be legalistic okay number three is fasting number four we're gonna go we're, we're not having much longer we got two more guys we'll go through these quick now, i know none of you are in a hurry okay you're all still on here number four to unlocking the power of god in your life write this down is exercising spiritual gifts this is one thing people don't realize about spiritual gifts is that spiritual gifts grow when you exercise them you have to put yourself this is so vital you have to put yourself in positions to be able to exercise your spiritual gifts the gifts of the spirit are like muscles they will never grow if they're not exercised it's painful at times to exercise the spiritual gifts but just like muscles it's necessary there's times guys where you're going to mess up the prophecy there's times where the gift of faith is not going to work out the way that you wanted it where it's going to fall flat and you're feeling like you're going to fail but you have to understand that it's necessary it's all part of the process first corinthians 14 paul says to earnestly desire and this is my favorite translation earnestly desire the special abilities that the spirit gives out desire the spiritual gifts if you want spiritual gifts you cannot be passive you cannot be stagnant you cannot be sitting around on the couch expecting spiritual gifts to knock you over the head some of you are waiting for the spiritual gifts to be given to you but you have to realize you need to earnestly desire them you now how do we desire gifts okay desiring the spiritual gifts is the same way you desire anything else 
You don't wait around. If you desire something, you don't wait around to get it or for someone to bring it to you. You pursue it. When you desired your wife, what did you do? You pursued her. When you desire a new car, what did you do? You start asking everybody, well, how does that car drive? What brand is it? You start making phone calls. You start doing research. If you're a nerd like me, if I buy anything, you know, if my wife's probably laughing, everything I buy, TJ, I say, well, have you read the reviews? Have you done the research? I go on YouTube. I start researching this type of camera. When I buy my camera slider I did a, a, hours of research on all the different sliders all the different reviews gathering information I started asking I started seeking out this is what you do with spiritual gifts you need to pursue them you need to search them out you need to start reading verses about them if you're if you're wondering first Corinthians 12 through 14 Romans 12 Ephesians 4 those are the three main areas if you're seeking spiritual gifts that you should be studying you should be devouring you should be reading you should be reading the book of Acts you should be getting to pray and being consistent being earnest getting books listening to testimonies and then start walking out the gifts start practicing the gifts I tell people the best way to exercise your gifts are on your family members start praying and prophesying over your family members over your parents over your kids over your loved ones one of the things I love about deliverance TJ is deliverance is a great way to exercise spiritual gifts in deliverance we use the gift of discerning in deliverance we use the gift of knowledge in deliverance we use the gift of faith and so deliverance is a great a great way to exercise spiritual gifts one thing I always have in my mind and I'll turn it back over to you is that when I'm going throughout my life whether it's ministry whether it's life giving myself opportunities, putting myself in a place where I can exercise my gifts. So in other words, if I'm praying for the sick, and I go lay hands on a sick person, I'm putting myself in a position to exercise the gift of miracles, to exercise the gift of faith. But if you're living your life, never putting yourself out there and being uncomfortable, you'll never give that muscle an opportunity to grow and to exercise. So number four, I believe is exercising. I'll turn it over if you want to say something about this, but exercising spiritual gifts unlocks the power of God. Yeah, and I'll say, you know, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 starts with now concerning spiritual gifts or the things of the spirit, I would not have you ignorant. Wow. So if you want to operate in the gifts of the spirit, you, you can't be ignorant. You'll never operate and never take advantage of and never uh, flow in something you don't even know is available to you. And if you've not sat under that gifting before, you know, Lester Sumrall, who wrote the book, uh, where we find much of our modern day uh, theology for the gifts of the Spirit and the ministries of the Holy Spirit called the gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit by Lisa Summerall. He sat under Howard Carter. Howard Carter was in a prison cell in England because of conscientious uh, objection. He, he refused to go to war because he said, God called me to preach. He didn't get, call me to go to wow. war when uh, World War II was going on. So they put him in a prison cell. He said, can I have a Bible? They said, sure. So in that time, in the span of how many years, four years, three years he was in there, he just read the word, studied, and the Lord gave him revelation on the gifts of the Spirit. And there was one day, not only did he give him the theological aspect of the gifts of the spirit but a practical god will teach you how to practically so walk in this oral roberts was practically taught by the holy spirit you know the bible says the spirit when he comes he'll teach you everything yes. he'll teach you how to operate he'll teach you how to cooperate with him and work for his glory oral roberts had a visitation of heaven and the spirit told him every time your hand gets hot as you minister to the sick know that there's a demon spirit at work in that person wow. and you're not dealing with a sick person but you're dealing with a, a spirit of infirmity you have to cast it out but if that doesn't happen then know that you just pray regularly for 
for, for the person to be healed. So he would he was taught by the Holy Ghost how to operate in discerning of spirits. That's what discerning of spirits wow. is. He learned how to discern the spirits by the operation and the teaching of the Holy Ghost himself. So the Bible says you're not to be ignorant. Howard Carter's study taught, was learned uh, by the Spirit throughout those years. And then one day he was, he was on his like cot that they gave him in prison and a drop of water kept falling on his forehead from the ceiling Every single like five seconds. And he got so fed up and the, he told the Lord, Lord, this thing is driving me insane. And the Lord, and he said, please remove it. And the Lord spoke to him. I just talked to you about the gift of faith. Now use and exercise that gift in a practical way. Command that drop of water to not drop again. So in that prison cell, Howard Carter, you know, a great man of God, was the uh, general superintendent of the Assemblies of God in the, all of uh, Great Britain back in the day. He commanded, he said, you drop of water, no longer drop from the ceiling. And this sounds crazy, but the water bead that had dropped, the last drop, formed again, came off his forehead and went back up. And from the, the, the duration of that time, he was in jail. He never had wow. another problem with the drops of water. Lester Shomrall sat under those gifts. Lester Shomrall, when nobody was going to see Smith Wigglesworth preach, when nobody was going to see Smith Wigglesworth in his home the last two years of his life, when he was not really on the road as much and wasn't as famous as he used to be, Lester Shomrall found out where his address was and he would go and visit him every 10 days at least while he spent time in England and he sat under the gift and he said the guy was not normal because he walked in the first time, had his newspaper under his his uh, arm and a and a nice uh, umbrella and Smith Wigglesworth opened the door and as dressed as dressed can be, I mean he had always a suit on, his hair combed and he looked at Lester Summer and said what's that under your arm in his British accent and he said that's a newspaper. Les uh, Smith Wigglesworth looked at him and said Throw that out in the trash. This is a house of God and a house of truth. Wow. No lies will cross its door. So he did that. He spent that day. The first five minutes, uh, 30 minutes, Smith Wigglesworth opened up his Bible and began to read the scriptures to him. Then after that, he closed it and he said, let's pray. Prayed for 30 minutes. After he did, he opened up his Bible again, read another 30 minutes of scripture, expounded and exhorted, closed his Bible and began to pray for 30 minutes. Then they went and had lunch after lunch without even saying a word. He got up and reclined to his, his uh, bedroom and Lester was there and like, uh, talking to his daughter, Alice, Alice, uh, should I stay? Should I go? He said, oh, he's not coming back. He's, he's gone to bed for, for the rest of the day. Uh, you can pretty much leave. So he got up and left and he said, as I left that place, I was wondering what in the world did I just get myself into? But he said, as I turned the corner of Wigglesworth street, I realized there was an impartation. Wow. There was something I received from that. Even if I couldn't put it together and I thought it was the weirdest encounter I ever had. There was an impartation. Paul said, I long to be with you so that I might impart some spiritual gift for you. So that coveting, that pursuing, the Bible says desire fervently. It's from the Greek word zelu, which I don't know if I'm pronouncing it well, but zelu, which means to burn for passion, with passion for, to pursue 
pursue adamantly, to not to persist until you acquire. That word is to, to fervently burn for. The Bible doesn't say, like Isaiah said, it's just going to fall on you. No, you have to covet mm. earnestly. There's one area in the whole Bible where God says it's okay to covet, and it's with the spiritual gifts. Why do you covet? How do you pursue? How do you show God I'm hungry? Number one, fasting, prayer. Number two, locate people that are on the earth yes. that are operating in the gift you desire to be used in proficiently. If you desire to, to, to be used in the working of miracles, there are people across the globe. We don't have to look back in time and Come study. On. I mean, it's good to study men of God that God raised up, but there are people here on the earth that are working miracles in our midst. There are people here on the earth that have the word of knowledge so keen and so precise and accurate that if you'll sit under that, some an impartation, you might not understand everything, but it'll come on you that the next time, like it happened to me, the next time I was in a service after sitting under a gift like that, I was approaching someone called someone out of the crowd because I just saw them like kind of highlighted. And so I, I, I set them apart. And as I approached them, I had nothing to say. I didn't know what I was going to pray. As I approached them, all of a sudden, it's like I had just taken up their portfolio on the wow. last 10 years of their life. And what every problem they had, they had OCD. You can't tell if someone has OCD or anxiety or something or, or, or bipolar depression. Just by looking at them, that if you go out and give a word like that and you're wrong, <laughs> it, it, you're gonna, people are going to know you're wrong. But something just came in me where I knew their daily schedule, the pills they were taking, wow. everything. And that woman who had never been to church before, just like the Bible says, that when you operate in the gifts of the Spirit, they will report that God is truly in your midst. Come That's on. what the gifts do. It's for the profiting and the excelling of the church. I didn't have to convince her that Jesus was alive. I didn't have to get out a PowerPoint presentation and says, here's the pros as to why you should serve God from this day onward. She knew. She broke down in tears and she confessed Christ that day and to my to my latest report she's still in the lord i mean that's what the power that's what the gifts of the spirit are for the bible says the manifestation of these gifts are given to each one individually for the profiting of everybody so good i love it i love it i'm getting fired up i'm getting fired up i'm about to fall out of my chair okay so number five this is going to be our last one we're going to close on this number five if you're taking notes is holiness and consecration this is so crucial when i first got saved this was the very first thing god began to tell me was begin to purge begin to get rid of things when jesus showed up demons would get tormented saying what do me and you have in common what gave jesus power in the over the demonic kingdom was he had nothing in common with it without a holiness or consecration do not expect to walk in the power of God as I told you earlier that the Bible says the prayer of the righteous has power and so there is a level that you can walk in if you want to increase power which we clearly know that there's a way to increase the power of God Hebrews 12 says without holiness no one will see the Lord but one specific thing I was thinking about TJ we always preach you know everybody's equally in the kingdom of God everybody's equally used everybody's on the same playing field everybody's the same for God that's not what the Bible Bible teaches in 2 Timothy 2 20 Paul describes that there are wooden vessels and there are golden vessels and Paul says this and listen if you want to be an average I liken it to as an average soldier versus special forces if you want to be an average Sunday morning believer you never see a miracle you never preach the gospel you never raise the dead you never drive out demons you never do any mighty works the Bible calls 
for the things of God. Daniel talks about those that know their God will do mighty exploits and mighty works. Paul says, if you want to do that, you can be a wooden average normal vessel he says but if you want to be a golden vessel that when god begins to move in power that when god begins to do something special on the earth he says you need to be consecrated and you need to be set apart purge yourself and consecrate to be used for mighty works so there is a purging and a consecration if you want to do these exploits for God. Now, if you're in here, we've had about 800 to 850 for almost two hours now. We're about to hit a two-hour mark. I believe that you're in here saying, I want to be consecrated. I want to be holy. I want to be separated. I want to be purged of all the works. One of the things when the revival broke out, TJ, in our house was the Lord says, Isaiah, you need to purge your house. Some of you have heard the story of me going in my brother's room, throwing out the Harry Potter, me going into my sister's room. She had a hidden bottle of alcohol that her boss gave her that was worth hundreds of dollars and God showed me where it was hidden in her bedroom and I begin to throw out everything and purge our house because the Lord says I want to dwell and do mighty works here but I refuse to dwell and my power refuse to show up which where there is unholy and unconsecrated things and so if I was going to go to that next level I had to purge in the book of Acts when we see revival break out we see all the witches and warlocks purging beginning to burn all their witchcraft books and the Bible says, and revealing all of their secret sin. There is a purging process. Point number five, there is a purging process. Holiness and consecration will take you into a high level in the power of God. First Peter 1.15 says, but he who called you is holy and you need to be holy in all your conduct for it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So holiness is not an option. It is a commandment. This is something God is calling us. Guys, we serve a holy and a jealous God. And if you want to walk in the next level of the power of God, if you want to increase the power of God, I believe holiness and consecration are essential that you cannot walk into that next level of power if you don't walk in holiness and consecration. Yeah, and Joshua 3 says it like perfectly. Joshua is given the task to go into the land. And before he does, the Lord tells him, consecrate yourself Mm. to me. For tomorrow, I will do marvelous things in your midst. He He specifically told Joshua, you are to consecrate yourself. Get Israel cleaned up. Do you remember in Joshua 7? The Bible says, first of all, let's go back to Joshua 1. The whole book of Joshua is a picture of what life is when you do things God's ways Come on. and when, what life can be if you abandon God's ways. And in Joshua 1, it says, if you will meditate on my law and let not this book of instruction depart from your mouth, but take heed and give heed and meditate on it day and night and observe to do. So it's not just meditating. It's not just quoting the scripture. Psalm wow. 50 says... You take my word in your mouth, but you, you, you cast my laws behind you. You've trampled my instructions underfoot, and you think that my word on your mouth is going to produce results. A lot of people think they can confess their way to breakthrough wow, while living a wow. life that keeps them bound. No, Proverbs chapter 5 says your own iniquities will keep you entrapped, and you're going to be caught by the cords of your sin. Sin brings death. Sin brings further bondage. Sin is like a man's, is like a cord that'll 
Hebrews 12 says, you are to lay aside the sin and the weight that so easily entangles you. It entangles you. It keeps you ensnared. When you're in sin, the Bible says, the, 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 the worker of iniquity will be scattered. You're going to wow. live a scattered life. He that sows in sin shall reap in sorrow. Many sorrows shall be to them who hasten after other gods. The Bible says very clearly that it's only in the fear of the Lord that there's a strong foundation and confidence and the people have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord must be in place if the blessing of the Lord is to follow. David said, I have kept the Lord as my shepherd and goodness and mercy is now going to begin to follow. If you're dedicated on setting yourself in your own ways, there is a way that seems right unto man, but its end is the way of death. But in the pathway of righteousness is life and righteousness and honor and mercy. The Bible says the way of the wicked is like darkness. They don't know what makes them stumble. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Hardship follow transgressors. People intent on sin, refusing to repent. The Bible says in Romans 2, anguish, trial, uh, and tribulation shall follow them who by by their own will refuse to repent and refuse to follow the ways of the Lord. But on the flip side, see, there's a, there's a, you don't have to be cursed when you sin. Curses will just navigate themselves Come to on. you. You know, the oh. devil, an, a, a witch, the devil himself, demons, they don't have to curse you. They don't have to do anything if you're intent on staying in sin. It's like if you stand in a river, you don't have to ask to get wet. You're going to get wet. When you stand in sin's river, you're going to get what sin attracts, oh. and it attracts death. That's why Job chapter 36 I actually want to read this. I know Come I haven't on, so opened good. up. I've quoted a lot, but this <laughs> I think is we've like, quoted over 200 verses tonight. Minute, like, uh, go ahead. No, I said, I think we've quoted at least 200 verses tonight. At least. Come on. I love Job it. 35, sorry. Verse four. God said, I'm going to answer you and your companions with you. Look to the heavens and see. Behold the clouds. They're higher than you. If you sin, what do you accomplish against God? Wow. If you sin, what are you accomplishing against God? If your transgressions are multiplied, what are you what are you doing to him? You continuing in sin is not hurting God. Obviously, it hurts him. He wants you to repent. He wants you to become a child of God. He wants you to, to live in his holiness, of course. But in the sense that it's not, God is God. Whether you take the next 365 days to shoot up heroin and be a, a, a lunatic and beat your wife and get into alcoholism, that doesn't affect God. That affects you. If you're righteous, what are you giving to him? What does he receive from your hand? Wow. So on the flip side, if your righteousness, you're not, <laughs> yes, your righteousness pleases God. Yes, your righteousness is well-pleasing to God. It makes God joyful. But in the same vein, it doesn't change the fact that God is God and he sits on the throne. Then he goes on to say, your wickedness affects a man such as you and your righteousness will affect the son of man. So whether when you're in sin, the only person getting burnt is you. God's not getting burnt and Satan's still Satan. When you're in righteousness, that's why Paul said that the, 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 the blessings of righteousness, they yield benefits in this life and in the life to come. Godliness is profitable, not for God. God is God. Godliness is not profitable 
responsible for anyone else except for you and your family. That's why when Joshua drew a line in the sand, he said, those that are on the Lord's side, come on this side. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord because God promised that as long as I keep to his path, there won't be a man that will be able to come stand on. before me all the days of my life. He said, you'll be the head always and never be beneath. You'll be above always and never the tail. In, in the Bible says your enemies will come before you one way, but because you're committed to holiness, they'll be defeated before your face and be scattered seven ways. Yes, if you'll diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God, he'll set you high above, high above, high above the nations of the earth, and all these blessings will come on you. You won't have to ask God to be blessed. All these blessings will pursue you and overtake you like a lion chasing a gazelle as you diligently pursue the, the purpose and calling of God. That's why Jesus says the New Testament version, if you'll seek first, if you'll seek first, if you'll seek first. You know how people, it doesn't matter if you sing I exalt thee in church in the, the next couple of days, you ain't exalting him. How do you exalt God? It's not just exalting him in word. There's a lot of people who confess Christ, but they don't have any heart. Jesus said these wow. people draw near to me with their lips. They honor me with their mouths, but their hearts are far from them. There's a man of God I know. He's, he asked the Lord one day, why is, it, why is it that there are people that operate in different dimensions of power? There's some people who are believing God to get rid of their sniffles, and there's others that are raising the dead. And the Lord said, because there are some people who are far from far from me in their thoughts. They don't think on me throughout wow. the week. They're very far from me. Preachers, they don't think about me. I'm not the first thought in the morning. I'm not the last thought at night. I'm an afterthought. And as a result, the power of God's not working through them. But then there's another group of people and I believe it's you Come on. here online. You've stuck an hour and 40, an hour and 50 minutes online, almost two hours because you're not one who's interested in just playing games. You're not one who wants to draw near with your mouth. Your heart's engaged. Jeremiah, who is he who will seek me and engage me with all of his heart? He's the one that will find me. Proverbs chapter two, my son, if you'll incline your ear to my wisdom if you'll apply your heart to my understanding if you seek for her as for hidden treasure if you search for her as for as for treasures if you lift up your voice for understanding and cry out for discernment cry out i'm not satisfied where i'm at i'm crying out i'm pressing through the Bible says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find the knowledge of God. And like Isaiah said, when you find the knowledge of God, they that do know their God shall be Come strong. On. It infuses strength. The Bible says these magnificent promises when believed upon infuses divine nature in you. You start to partake of the nature of Christ. Paul said, "I, I all things that were gained to me in my old life, it's just rubbish. It's garbage. It's trash in comparison to the surpassing excellency of knowing Christ. Christ, that I might know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. And when you live like that, you partake in the power of his resurrection. We're going to pray. Here's what we're going to do. I feel the fire of God, the Holy Ghost. We're going to pray for you guys, a releasing of the power. We're going to pray that the devil would not come and steal the word. According to the Bible, the enemy comes, the bird comes to steal the word. And then after that, TJ, I'm going to pray a corporate prayer over them. I'm going to have, and don't leave guys. This is the most important part of the whole night. We're over two hours. This is the most important part. And then I feel like the Lord is saying, I'm getting ready to heal people's body tonight. So I really believe, I know, listen, a lot of you viewers are watching 8, 9, 10. It's 11 o'clock for a lot of you. Some of you are watching. It's middle of the night but I believe that God is going to heal bodies I know there's many people in here tonight that are sick in body and so TJ I'm going to pray a corporate prayer and then I'm going to release you to pray a prayer of healing does that work out for you is that cool
Let's do All it. right, let's do it. Father, we just thank you right now for your power. We thank you for your anointing. God, we ask that you would release your power, your fire, your anointing, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit over every viewer right now. We pray the power of God. I come against every assignment and strategy that's going to try to steal the word that's been spoken over you. And I say that the word will fall on good ground. I say that the word that is spoken tonight is going to produce fruit. Father, we did not get on here just to preach for two hours for nothing. We believe that you are raising up end time warriors. We believe that you're raising up the bride. We believe that you are raising up soldiers right now as we preach and as we prophesy and as we declare, we speak over you life. I speak over the prodigals. I speak right now that the prodigals are getting ready to come home. Acts 2, that this promise is for your kid. We speak breakthrough. We speak deliverance. We speak healing over your prodigals. And we send now the hounds of heaven and the fire of God to come upon your prodigal children, to come upon prodigal marriages. We speak the power of God right now. We pray baptism of fire again for those of you that are just jumping on. We prayed this in the beginning of the broadcast. We pray the power and the anointing of Almighty God to begin to flow from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. We pray baptism of power. We pray baptism of fire. We pray anointing of Almighty God to come upon you now. Father, I thank you that your word says that we have power to loose your ministering spirits. And so right now, Father, your word says that angels are the ministering servants of God to serve the heirs of salvation. So I loose legions of angels over your house right now. I loose legions of angels over your city. I loose legions of angels over your state. Father, we pray the same way the angel came to Daniel in Daniel 10. We pray that you would send angels right now round about their house at every corner of their house. We pray angels over their unsaved kids. We pray angels over their marriage, angels over their business, angels over their ministry. God, we pray that you would begin to loose angels. Not only that we loose, but now we bind every demonic strategy. We bind every demonic assignment. We bind every unclean spirit listening now. We bind the strong man. We tie up the strong man and put a gag in his mouth. And we say, you have no power. You have no authority. Every demonic plan is being thwarted right now by the blood of Jesus is being canceled by the blood of Jesus that one might fall on your side and a thousand on your left side, but it will not come near you in the name of Jesus. Satan, you have no power and you have no strength. Now we render you powerless. We speak over every person watching. We say unclean spirits. They are not your home. They have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. They've been redeemed and called according to the purposes of God. And we speak right now deliverance over you. We speak breakthrough over you. We declare now the anointing and the fire of Almighty God. And we say you are leveled up in Jesus' name. You are going to walk in a new level of power. You are going to walk in a new level of authority. I speak over you now. I feel the Holy Ghost that God is going to open up opportunities for you to exercise spiritual gifts. God is going to open up windows of blessing, windows of opportunity, kairos moments for you to begin to exercise the spiritual gifts in your life that God is releasing now. And then right now, if you're sick in body, TJ is going to pray a prayer of healing and believe that healing is going to come right now. A man, a leper came to Jesus and bowed before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Come on. Jesus, before he healed him, he corrected his theology because he knew it. As long as you think that way, you ain't going to get healed. Doesn't matter if I touched you or wow. sent 10 angels to touch you. And he said, I am willing be thou made well. And he stretched forth and touched his hand, his, his body. And the, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. The Bible says there was a woman in Luke 13 
that was bound by a spirit of infirmity. And Jesus said, Art not this daughter of Abraham? If you belong to the kingdom of God, you're a son and a daughter of Abraham. Art not this daughter, and this is the heart God has for you, Art not this daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, not God. As long as you think that sickness is God, you'll wow. never be freed from it. And until you'll never be delivered from something you're not first disgusted with. Wow. So when you find out right now that Satan is the author of that, under let it rise a supernatural holy dis, disgust for that thing where you vehemently and violently tie your faith in with mine tonight and attack that thing as we lose he sent forth his word and it did heal them i'm going to declare over you words of healing receive it in your body and you shall be whole you will not die you will not die you will see the goodness of the lord while you're yet in the land of the living so lift your hands if you're sick in your body take your right hand place it wherever that symptom is that pain if it's your heart on your chest if it's your knees on your knees if it's a series of things all around your body just put it on your head and from the top of your head the blessing will flow to the crown to the sole of your feet father in the name of jesus christ I thank you that before Christ came to that cross and was pierced into his hands, that he took a pit stop where his back was laid stripes upon, that through that blood shed by the stripes he endured, our physical healing was paid for. I pray even now that by the stripes of Jesus Christ and the blood shed by those stripes, would envelop the bodies of those believing you for healing right now. And every sign, trace, and symptom, every planting of the enemy, which you have so clearly not planted, because when you made man, you made him good. And it was when sin came that death and sickness came. So we know. And you told us that we are to pray your will on the earth as it is in heaven. And we understand there's no sickness in heaven. Therefore, I pray even now every planting of the enemy, every tear that the enemy successfully sowed in their bodies, may it be uprooted now in the name that is above every name. I command the knee of cancer to bow and leave. I command the knee of of diabetes to bow and leave. I command the knee of headaches and migraines to bow and leave. I command every tumor. Jesus said, this tree does not bear fruit. May it wither and never bear fruit again. Every tree of sickness that doesn't bear the fruit that glorifies you in body and in spirit. I pray even now by the authority that you send, they that believe these signs shall follow. They'll cast out devils and lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover as they're laying hands on themselves as a point of contact i command i declare i command every sickness to seize and desist to evacuate and exit from this moment on now in jesus mighty name now i want you to declare something over yourself say i am well say i am strong say i am healed not because of what I feel, not because of what I see, but because of what God's word says, that he bore my sickness and carried my pains, that I am now well because of the stripes of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ. And I tell you, I pray, even from this broadcast, this was my prayer before I even came on, is that there'd be so many testimonies of the power of God, yes. miracles, healings, financial miracles, whatever it is, 
that I pray, Isaiah, you'll have to take a full Monday night Q&A just to take in calls of the testimonies. Come on. And not only from this broadcast, I pray from every broadcast that you've been doing, man, that there'll be a Monday night. It wouldn't be a Q&A. It's just going to be testimonies. People mm. calling in and saying, you'll, you'll never know what Come God on. did for me. You'll never believe. I, the doctors gave me three weeks and here it's six months later and I'm still healthy, whole and strong. Hallelujah. Amen. I love it, guys. I'm telling you, the power of God, the anointing is flowing tonight. I believe has been, in my opinion, one of the best that we've had since January. Well, guys, we are two hours, over two hours in. Like I said, please, 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 so into what God is doing. The links are in the chat. I'm going to go to another screen once I get TJ off here. I'm going to read through all the donations. I'm going to bless him regardless. I'm not going to have him on my show preaching for two hours the way he preached and not bless him. So please, so tonight, as you guys know on our show, we don't do 35-minute offerings. We don't twist your arm. We're not beggars. We're believers. So those that want to sow, it's good ground to sow into, and we're not going to go 40 minutes on having you give. TJ, will you tell them anywhere else they could find you or follow you on? Uh, just the ministry absolutely you can um first of all thanks so much for having me i really appreciate we gotta it. Do it again you, soon. you know that we can't let it be two You've months next time for me and huh we can't let it be two months next time we got to do it again soon hey i'd love i can't wait for things open up and we can start doing live yes. stuff together but if you'd like to um yeah you could follow us on facebook the links in in the broadcast title tj malkanji salvation now uh, follow me there. I have an Instagram account at TJ Malkanji. We have a YouTube page that you can subscribe to uh, called TJ Malkanji, and it has my face on it, so you can't really miss it. And there haven't been any counterfeits yet, so thank the Lord. There we go. And, uh, you can follow us there, and then Twitter, TJ Malkanji. Also, our website, salvationnow.ca. Uh, you can get our newsletter there and uh, our schedule as to where we'll be. If you're in the Saskatchewan area at the end of this month, I'll be there for like two two whole months, uh, two whole weeks, sorry, two and a half weeks, Saskatchewan and Alberta you can get, check that up on our, on our ministry page. The uh, dates and the locations are there. So you can love to have you join me. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.